Exactly. Yeah. This is quite different. You know, it's interesting because you think, even though we live stream every Sunday, that it's just uh, set up and go. But there were, a, there were some different things that we had to pay some attention to. So anyway, we are. We're so grateful for all of our, for everybody on the team and everything that they're doing. Uh, good morning, everyone. God bless you. Um, I think that uh, this, we're in a series called Shift. And uh, what a great name for, for the season that we're in. And, of course, we started this series before this latest shift started to happen. Uh, but uh, we think that it's a good name to continue forward. So uh, this morning, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes uh, really about the shift that's going on in all of us and some of the things that we need to pay attention to. And um, I, I know this. Uh, There can be a lot of fear and anxiety that happens around these moments, but a couple of things to keep in mind right away is, first of all, times of adversity consistently throughout history have been the finest moments for the church. It has been really the best, most fruitful time, uh, as has already been said by Claire and others, for people to open themselves up to Christ. There is kind of an unintentional slowing down that has happened for us as a culture. And the other thing to remember is that adversity always brings opportunity. So in the midst of anxiety trying to flood into some folks' lives and fear, remember that any adversity in God's kingdom, uh, God's kingdom principles are that becomes opportunity for God to do something phenomenal beyond what we could do ourselves. We want to pay attention to the things that we can do ourselves. That's why we um, are meeting just online Uh, right now, and we'll keep you posted on the details of all that as we go forward. Anyway, I want to talk to you about uh, just the peace of God. I have three words I want to share with you this morning that I think God's given me for uh, for this talk this morning, but I want to start with the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. And let's read that together. If you're at home watching online, go ahead and read it out loud together with us, if you wouldn't mind. Pray, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. 
as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. What an amazing scripture uh, for this time that we're in. I feel like I almost shouldn't say anything more. But Paul is referring to a lot of the tribulations that he had lived through himself and with the ministry team that he was kind of going in the known world around the, to different parts of the known world then, some of the tribulation and difficulty that they were all living in. And now he greets the Corinthians and says, listen, there are troubles. It's almost a promise that troubles will come. Suffering comes, but God is with us. And he brings to their attention and to our attention some things that are important to pay attention to, I think. The first thing, the first word, well, let me give you the three words just to start us in this process. Three words of consolation in a time of shifting. The first word is suffer. The suffering will come. Suffering happens. The scripture doesn't hide from it. In this life, you and I will have trouble. It comes. The second thing that we're going to talk about for a moment is sacrifice. That with suffering, there is this process of sacrifice and these abilities and opportunities that we have to live into our relationship with Christ in a very practical and full way. And third, I want to leave you with the thought about what is loving. What is loving in a moment like this when it comes to being a Christ follower, when it comes to being a local church, when it comes to us trying to be God's hands and feet on planet earth? What does that look like? So this first word, suffer, and Paul talks about suffering here in several different ways. He brings it up. And he talks about comfort. He kind of goes back and forth. So it's interesting because almost any time a very difficult situation comes up, a question shows up in one form or another. And this week, Claire and I uh, were greeted with this question, uh, in particular from several young people. Uh, And maybe it's a question they've been wrestling with, but when they started to hear that we weren't going to meet as a community, we were just going to meet online, they felt comfortable to express their questions. And the question is basically, where is God in the midst of suffering? If God really cares, why would any of these kinds of things ever happen on planet Earth? And it's a great question that we all ask at some point in our life. Why does God let this kind of stuff happen? Why are there people that are getting this virus? Why are there people that are dying? Why are there people that die from other things? Why, why, is, there this, this, why is there this struggle that goes on? And we could talk for weeks about that. I just want to address a couple of things when it comes to the issue of suffering. But know this, first of all, the fact that you care about suffering is in itself evidence that God is present. That if there was no, if God wasn't in, in the universe, if God wasn't present in our lives in any way, suffering wouldn't matter to us. It's, it's because suffering is present and it matters to us because God cares about those that suffer. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more as this goes on. But know this, the Bible presupposes that people will suffer and have pain. Paul talks about it right here. He talks about his own suffering. He talks about his own pain and he talks about the Corinthians' pain. 
The question when it comes to suffering is will we allow suffering to transform us in our relationship toward God? Will the suffering either in our own life or in the life of other people make us more Christ-like or will it deform us and cause us to have our hearts hardened and move away from God and the love of God that we can bring to the earth and also receive for our own life? There's a couple of things when it comes to uh, suffering that God makes really clear throughout Scripture. That, first of all, God promises and Paul reassures us that God's presence is with us in our suffering. John Wyatt puts it this way, he says, Suffering is not a question that demands an answer. It's not a problem that demands a solution. It is a mystery that demands a presence. And God assures us that his presence is with us in suffering. You heard it and read it right here. It says, Paul says this, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. God promises to be with us in the midst of any difficulty, any suffering, and that promises for all humankind. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, you might remember, those that are familiar with it, that Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus assures us time and time again of his presence, his comforting presence. When anxiety comes in the midst of suffering and pain, you can count on that you can have comfort and you can access comfort, first of all, in God. You can access comfort in God by opening your life, opening your heart, maybe even for the first time and saying, God, I just open myself to your comfort. I open yourself, I open myself to the peace that salvation and a relationship with you can bring. That no matter how crazy the storms of this world rage against me or around me, I receive the comfort that I can find in God. You and I can also find comfort with God. When we have comfort with God, God assures us that he can bring strength and courage to our lives, that he can meet us at that place of our own inadequacy where you get to those places in the midst of pain or difficulty and you know that there is nothing more that you can do. You've tried to do anything you can, but you know that we all lack. There is this insufficient place in us. And it's at that place that God assures us when we're with God that he is, God is with us and he brings strength and courage. It's this kind of comforting presence that Jesus gave to Peter when Peter walked out on the water. When Peter knew he could never in the natural walk out on water. But he saw the presence, the comforting presence of Jesus, even in the midst of a storm. And he had the courage because Jesus was with him. And he had a sense of that. And also we find the comfort of being, of the comfort of God, which is hope. God brings his comforting presence in hope that no matter where you are, no matter where I am today, no matter what's going on in our life, We can always count on there is a hope in God. 
that God gives us, can give us this patient endurance is what Paul calls it here, that he can give us this resilience. There is always a hope that no matter how difficult things look, that God can move us through. You are never without a hope in God. I am never without a hope in God. God can meet us in that place. We also know, Paul tells us here, that God suffers with, or we're called to suffer with, I'm sorry, says here, after he talks about God joins us in our suffering, then Paul goes on and says that we are comforted, in verse 4, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort. Everyone say, we can comfort. We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive. In other words, the reason that we pay attention, even when we're uh, in the midst of maybe not personally being in pain or suffering or going through difficulty or feeling very vulnerable, we are encouraged to, to grow in empathy. And the reservoir is the difficulties we've already experienced in our lives and how we've experienced God's presence. That creates an empathic heart and an empathic life in us. God's desire is to use the experiences, the pain, and the suffering that have happened in your life and mine so that we can be a loving, empathic presence to others. We can comfort with the same comfort we've received. It's true for all of us. Think about the things that you've already lived through and how God has helped you make that journey. And you've gotten onto the other side of it. And because of that, when other people suffer other things that are maybe a little bit unique or maybe very similar to what you have suffered, it, it has enlarged the empathy in your life and mine. And we can begin to share what God has given us to share. It's that comfort that God has given to us. We begin to share. Philip Yancey says it this way. He says, suffering should come with a warning label. Do not practice this alone. See, we know this. We gravitate toward this naturally. That's why we have things like grief share. That's why we do have a, a food pantry. That's one of the things comforting with the same comfort we've received. That's, that's the power behind things like Alcoholics Anonymous is that people have gone through difficulty and then they can meet people with an, with an empathy that is powerful, a comfort that encourages. This is how we can pray for one another effectively is because we can be empathic and sense what people are going through. This is why the word of your testimony spoken about in the book of Revelation is so powerful to overcome the enemy because it's a revisiting of what God has already done in you and me in overcoming things, allowing us to defeat the enemy, and that becomes a powerful tool. That's why when we talk about giving online or giving in these moments where Claire says it's just between us and God, that's because we are empathic people. God has comforted us. And in these moments, it becomes even more important that we become generous people, not just with our resources, but with our time and with our talents and our treasure, however that might look. It's how we can extend care to the vulnerable there are people, for instance, out there today that are trying to figure out what they'll do for childcare. All of a sudden, single moms, single dads, parents that don't know what they'll do with their children. Maybe, maybe 
to be empathic in a practical way would be to help out in some way. Maybe, maybe you know somebody you can help alleviate some needs that they have. There's isolated people. There are the vulnerable that will be intentionally isolated that still could use some groceries or some food. Maybe some of the students that won't be in the schools uh, that count on being in the schools for food could use your help and mine. Maybe some people would just need us to be empathic enough to bring the comfort of God to to just do some shopping for them because it can be a dangerous thing for somebody that's vulnerable to be out in the midst of that. The second word is sacrifice, to intentionally descend in a moment like this. This This is the heritage of the church. This is what Jesus taught us. This is what Jesus lived, that he descended from a throne in heaven, lowered himself to be with us in our need. In this kind of moment, it's important that maybe we pay attention to how much we clutch and grab out of anxiety and fear and maybe begin to practice the spiritual discipline of carrying one another's burdens in a whole nother level. Now, I don't know about you, but probably everyone's life that's within the sound of my voice, everyone's life in some way is already being affected. Already in some way you've maybe given things up. And some of those things are harder to give up. Claire and I uh, just in the last few days have had to give up several uh, different engagements that we had over the next month outside of the stuff that we're doing here at a local level postponed. Some of you have things like airfares or tickets or different things that you have reservations and all of a sudden you're wondering what's going to happen. Remember to be anxious for nothing. Don't bring more anxiety to the situation. Bring the peace of God. Do not clutch and grab Remember to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ that these moments become great moments for us to be generous with one another, for us to reach out and do the things we can do. Claire and I were at Sam's Club the other morning. We went there in the morning because we thought, surely there won't be anybody there because we we like to get in and out when we go grocery shopping. Anyway, we were there and we were wrong. It was packed. And most of you have either seen pictures online or on the news or you've experienced it yourself of empty shelves and it's like the day before Thanksgiving on steroids. Everybody is clutching and grabbing. And I had this great sense of what a great opportunity to purchase what you need, maybe purchase something for somebody else that is in need and not feel so anxious about what's going on. Don't feel like you need to hoard and grasp and clutch. God is with you. God is with me. We can be the people that can sacrifice. As the store is running out of water or certain foods or heaven forbid toilet paper, just remember, we can, we can be more generous simply by our actions. Which leads to a question, how prepared are you to sacrifice? How prepared am I to sacrifice? How prepared are you to prefer other people? See, these are just good biblical principles. 
Even when the president stands up and says, look, let's all work together, this is just carrying one another's burdens. This is a biblical mandate. This is an invitation from God himself. Let's bear one another's burdens, burdens and so fulfill the love of Christ. Now, the truth is, as many, maybe even uh, on, this, on this webcast and in this room, many are already losing or sacrificing Some are already losing money or uh, career opportunities, plans you had, or there's health issues. There's many, and Claire brought it up already, people like our healthcare workers that are being overextended and working like mad to try to keep up with different demands. I see when our politicians and our governmental leaders are standing up on TV, they all already look exhausted We can be the kind of people that pray for those that are carrying an extra burden, that are already sacrificing, and some that are already losing, and try to be mindful. God, how can I be creative? How can you help me to understand, and and all of us, with the resources that we have to alleviate one another's burdens and to prefer our neighbor? Could this be God in these moments inviting us to resist fighting for ourselves? and prefer our neighbor, willingly. Where we can live wisely, but we can also live generously. Where we can be mindful of the fact that there are people that are losing their jobs already, or they're going to be short on money, or they have specific needs that may not be money-related, but other needs. How can you and I carry one another's burdens? How can we share the challenge of our neighbor? Consumerism would say there is no way. I'm going into the store. I'm grabbing everything I need. I don't care if anybody else gets what they need. I'm going to just grasp and cling. But Jesus would say, you descend into greatness when you serve, when you sacrifice, which leads to the last word, and the last word is love. No greater love does anyone have that they would lay down their life for a friend. Claire and I, for years, have been going uh, to a retreat center in another state and several times a year. And part of this retreat center actually has uh, the, the national shrine of Maximilian Kolbe. Maximilian Kolbe was from Poland. Um, he was, he was uh, a Catholic priest. He was a Franciscan priest. Uh, a doctor in the Catholic Church, anyway, lived during World War II, um, and as a young man started to practice this whole issue of loving as a a rhythm in his life. Anyway, um, he lived in Poland. One of his parents was German, but the other parent was Polish, and um, at one point, the Nazis came in and arrested him, They had him detained for a while and offered for him to leave and said he could go free if he just would submit to what they wanted him to do as a German, as a Nazi, and he refused to do it. Ultimately, he ended up in Auschwitz. And at one point, a prisoner escaped Auschwitz, and in punishment to the prisoner escaping, the Nazi guards decided that they would take 10 of the prisoners, 10 of the men, and they were going to pick them out, and they were going to put them in what was called a starve chamber. 
and they would leave them in this cell until they would all starve. They'd give them no supplies, nothing to drink, nothing to eat. So they picked out the 10 men. One of the men that they picked out kind of fell to the ground and cried out and said, my wife and my children. And Maximilian Colby was there, and he, he volunteered that he would take that man's place. He lived with this rhythm of carrying another person's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. He said, I'll take his place. And they allowed him to do it. He said, so into the starving chamber they went, the starvation chamber, and uh, Every time a guard would come to check inside of the cell, they said that Maximilian Colby was either on his knees or he was standing in prayer and many times praying for the guards and those that were actually torturing them. After two weeks, everyone was dead but Colby. And the guards decided they needed that starvation cell for another purpose, so they decided they would give him lethal injection. What he did was he offered his left arm in worship to God and in love for humanity and died a sacrificial death. But see, he was preparing, it was was the rhythm and the fabric of his life. See, some of us, as Christ followers especially, we're like, why would we do things? Why would the church do things like online church? Isn't this fear? Isn't this anxiety overwhelming the church? Isn't this just an abundance of caution? Which naturally, actually, an abundance of caution, there's nothing wrong with it. But what we're doing is not primarily motivated out of an abundance of caution, although that is important. But what we're primarily doing is out of an abundance of love. See, the truth is, in the history of the church, some of us remember things like the early church in the second and third century, which had to deal with uh, pandemics, several pandemics in a couple of centuries. And the church actually was known, the Christ followers of that day were known for rushing in. That's what love required. They would rush into these pandemics and to these sicknesses, while in the meantime, the medical professionals and the leaders of these different countries and areas they were in, they would head off to the countryside and the mountains for protection. So what was required in those moments was the church to rush in because they had had an experience with the resurrected Christ and they were there to love people back to health and to minister to their needs any way they could. The church grew exponentially and powerfully. They remained with the sick and the dying. They loved sacrificially, and they inspired many to follow Christ just out of their actions. This happens again in different times in the history of the church. In the 1300s, the bubonic plague hits Europe. And again, just great swaths of people are just under the suffering and the tragedy of this plague. And again, off to the countryside goes the folks that have the resources to do so. But again, the Christians rushed in and stayed with the dying rather than flee. These are great examples, and we have many more in the history of the church of them fearlessly moving in and rushing in when there was difficulty. That's what love called for. That's what love required, and that was the most effective way for the church to 
be a loving presence on earth. And the truth about most of our congregation, certainly our congregation, is that the vast majority of us, even if we were to get sick, this may not be something, we're just not extremely vulnerable, that we would probably be able to get through it. However, that's not all of us. And that's not everybody that we live around. Most of us are not high risk, but the most vulnerable among us are. And in this moment, this is, a, this is a justice issue where those that have the power need to back down and say, we will be most mindful of those that are most vulnerable among us. We refuse to carry knowingly and give more opportunity for the enemy. Remember, adversity brings opportunity. Our opportunity to love here is to be mindful of those that are most vulnerable. The best way that you and I can serve and love our neighbor in this season is to temporarily not assemble together and not take the chance of spreading a deadly disease with the most vulnerable people that we love so much and even those that we don't even know. We've already seen it. This is what happened in Italy and in Europe. There were decrees about locking down and separating. And at first it was just kind of like no big deal and the ski resorts remained full and all of the vacationers and everything, not just that, just the travel and the mingling and not even paying attention to the borders. And it becomes readily a huge issue. And those that suffer most are those that God instructs us to pay most attention to and care for at the highest level. This, my friends, is the primary way we love our neighbor in this season. We protect our neighbor. We will pray for the vulnerable, but we will be mindful. We will pay attention. We will do what we can do, and then we will fully trust God because God is a healing God. God is a restoring God, and I know and you know that God is up to something amazing. Let's pray. So Father, we just pray once again for not just the vulnerable that are close to us, but the vulnerable across this planet that God, they go about, many of them not even realizing how vulnerable they are. And it's not like we have a list of who those people are. Kind of have a sense of who would be in that group. But Lord, I, I believe that you're up to something with us. Help us to be people that love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to pay attention and be wise. We do pray for wisdom in this season as we navigate. We do pray that we would move through this season in the history of this world, this season in the history of the church. Let us be a healing, loving, generous presence. Let many come to know you in this season, in this fear, in this anxiety. Pray, God, for anyone watching right now. I just pray for them. I pray that anxiety would lift, that the peace of God that passes all understanding would flood in. 
pray for those in fear this morning that we can put our confidence in you, our trust. We receive your comfort. We receive your presence. And Holy Spirit, we pray for the miraculous activity that can only come from you to work not just around this virus, but for any of our friends that are sick in body today in any way. We pray, God, for healing for those with cancer. Pray for restoration with those with breathing issues, asthma, emphysema. We pray, God, that you would uh, bring restoration and healing to organs and muscles and tissues. You are an amazing God. And we feel so loved by you. Help us to be the kind of people that share the love we receive with one another. Help us to fulfill the law of Christ and carry one another's burdens well. We love you, Jesus.
God go with you. Every place you go, you feel God guiding you, cherishing you, and that you would be the hands and the feet of Christ. Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Oh.